Hi, everybody. Welcome to the True Alignment Podcast. I'm Ken Sagendorf. And I'm Edgar Papke, and uh, welcome to um, the podcast when we talk about all things alignment in business and in life, in our relationships and our families and our teams and, 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 yeah, in general. It's all about alignment. The great predictor of success. Edgar, kind of a special week this week. It is. And where and where we broadcasting from is where we Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're live from the Granowski Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University here in Denver, Colorado. Um I do that so well. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took a deep breath in that time, so <laughs> I so I didn't have to struggle to get that one out. Well that's good. That's good. Are you getting some coaching or you just came with that on, on your own? <laughs> the coaching is Edgar Papke's voice running through my head all the time. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, thank you for that, I should yeah, say. Yeah, we do. We have a really uh, a special program for you here today. Yeah, and I just want to remind you all, questions, thoughts, comments, anything at all, as always, feel free to reach out to us at info at truealignment.com. And uh, all questions, all thoughts, anything you want to share with us or that you'd like to us first to cover and talk about here on the podcast please feel free to let us know and we will respond as always as quickly as we can. Yeah. Um, thanks for all our listeners. We're on uh, every continent except Antarctica. That's only because penguins aren't that interested. I know somebody right now that is on Antarctica. I got to see if he can download. And I know someone that just got back yesterday. Oh, we should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a shout out to, uh, um, to Carl Clark, who's actually been a guest ah. on the program. Yes. He's back from Antarctica and I'm looking forward to seeing him soon. And it turns out that if you, uh, if you really pay attention to penguins, even though uh, in, in the sense of community, they're just walking all over each other and into each other. Um, they do, as a matter of fact, um, create an, a hell of a great alignment as they're uh, going off the end of the ice into the water. There you go. Well, speaking of community, uh, we've expanded our community here this week. Um, we are hosting, We've Edgar's done versions of this one, but we finally put a, some officialness to it. And we're hosting our first SeaTac workshop, our certified true alignment coach. Um, and not coach, what do we call it? Practitioner. Thank you. Yeah. So we, we're, we're fortunate here to be joined by four guests that come from different sectors. And so I'm going to ask you all to introduce, do a quick introduction of yourself and why on earth you came to this workshop this week. Don't, don't all jump for that microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the first time that we've had uh, four people um, join us in this way. So it's really a lot of fun. It is fun. I'm Jeff Chernis. I'm the uh, Chief Operating Officer at Marie Veronique. We make uh, efficacious, wonderful skincare products in small batches in Berkeley, California. And I'm here to learn about uh, how our company can better align with our customers, um, each other, and our leadership. And Jeff, before you, uh, before we pass the mic on, um, just a quick uh, question for you. What were you doing in the 70s? How would you describe yourself? I, you mentioned that you'd gone to see the Grateful Dead twice. And so that's I'm curious easy. what you were doing. I was a student in, in the 70s. That covers a, a multitude of whatevers. Mm-hmm. And gives you, allows for a multitude of whatevers too. Do you like the Berkeley vibe? I, li- I like our facility and our people. Uh, Berkeley's <laughs> a great place to eat. Oh, um, it is? But, I, but I, pretty much, I pretty much go there and work and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say even after uh, 13 months, I'm I'm not a 
I'm not. I haven't subscribed fully to the. You're not acclimated. I I, I, I I don't get it yet. You're not acclimated or integrated, so to speak, into the local culture. Yes, that's correct. Okay, good. All right, good. Well, yeah, uh, alignment has a lot to do with that. Understanding the context that we're in and what what's acceptable, what's not, or what's expected, has a, a great deal to do with that. So uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing how that how that unfolds for you. Yeah, we've spent our Thank last. You. We spent our last day and a half talking about culture. So just a quick question. We'll come back to this later, Jeff. How far away from Berkeley did you grow up? I grew up in Pasadena, so that's uh, 450 miles, and I live about 50 miles. 50 miles. Okay. Thank you. Cool. Janine? Hey, all. Janine Lettingham. Um, I am with JTL Consulting. I help businesses grow. And um, got the invitation from a friend over to my, you can't see her, but over <laughs> to my left. And um, very passionate about culture and get more so um, with time. And am just thrilled to be here. Why would I not be here? It's an incredible invitation. So much fun yeah. to have you here, Janine. Thanks. Awesome. All right. And uh, Heather Kuhar, I have been on the podcast before and have had the... Um, multiple times. Multiple times now. That means two. And, uh, <laughs> it's multiple. <laughs> so very excited because I've had the opportunity to, to work with True Alignment for coming up on a year pretty quick. And um, so I'm CEO of Kuhar Solutions and uh, partner to True Alignment and still figuring out all of the other things. But um, I'm here at the workshop because for the opportunity to be able to facilitate um, and learn um, learn from Ken and Edgar uh, ways to facilitate and perpetuate the framework and help others um, align. Yeah, and we'll come back and because part of this conversation is oh, so what are some takeaways, some learnings, perhaps even some surprises um, over, over the first four days. It's a four mm-hmm. and a half day workshop mm-hmm. and it's pretty full four days so far mm-hmm. leading leading up to this podcast now. And so my curiosity is to begin hearing what some of the surprises, what some of the takeaways are, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, ap- potential for application in different, in different context scenarios, mm-hmm. situations. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Heather. Thank you. Hey there, my name's uh, Lale Lovell and I'm a chemical engineer by training and have spent about the last 20 years working at different tech companies in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And um, actually on the 2nd of February, I am uh, refreshing my career to step (laughs) away from engineering manager and uh, moving toward um, facilitation and uh, teaching and kind of excited to have been invited to this uh, true alignment because it really does fit well with me sort of figuring out what's next. So it's been been a great experience. Yeah, and looking ahead to the future, just for clarity, uh, for those of you listening, um, I've heard the, the comment a couple of times of the invitation. It is not an invitation only process. <laughs> yeah, looking ahead towards future uh, CTAC workshops, um, it really is about uh, inquiring and um, getting registered and being a part of it in that way. Um, so, yeah. Please feel free to be on the look uh, lookout for it and uh, look for announcements for future programming. And well, uh, right now the plan is we're beginning to talk about is doing one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast in the coming year, as well as a couple more here in, at uh, Regis University in Denver. 
So just looking ahead to that and, um, yeah, keep an eye out for it and jump on it when you see it, if you're interested. Um, cause we'll, we'll always be looking at it through the lens of keeping the group small because we can get into some pretty, um, deep and intensive conversation here, not just at the business and societal level, uh, when we apply alignment also who we are at a personal level at an individual level and how we come to this work of alignment and the meaning to us at a very personal level, which makes it work because without the personal alignment, um, yeah, I, I, sometimes I think that if we're not personally aligned, it's just not worth doing. Time, life is too short, and our time is too precious for that. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Edgar. Uh, let's bring back that that first question that you mentioned. Is um, in, in this, I'll just open this up to the four of you. What What's the biggest surprise been uh, about being here this week? Other than you well fed. <laughs> <laughs> I think I put on a couple pounds this week. I'm surprised at how collegial a workshop can be with people I've never met before. There's, there's often a stiffness um, uh-huh. and formality and a uh, uh, bumping up against each other for hierarchy in, uh-huh. in uh, sessions like this, and there's been none of that. Thank you. Yeah, so um, in my sense of the, the informality, it's, and it's very uh, unlike the podcast where we're very formal and very rigid about what we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good. And how does that, how does that uh, influence you in, in your participation and how you're coming at applying the work? Well, informality comes easy to me in an environment where I'm already situated and when in a new environment, it's harder. Mm-hmm. So the welcoming and opening and uh, lowering of boundaries uh, is a good indicator for how to uh, work with well, aligning customers, employees, and uh, a leadership structure, as I mentioned before. So it's removing boundaries. Mm-hmm. Good, thank you. Yeah, we, we often say that um, formality can get in the way of the truth. And so as we take down the boundaries and, and we, we become less formal in our communication, there's a greater likelihood to be open and trusting in that openness and, and uh, the willingness to engage at, a, at the level of you know, shared understanding and truth. Yeah. So thank you for that. That's good. Good to hear. So you've all individually made one or two at least comments about the introductions. And as Jeff shared, the, 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 how a workshop can be informal Want to want to share a little bit with our listeners about the experience of the introductions? Uh, sure. So um, one of the comments I think I made was it's very common when a group of people come together and you're especially in a classroom setting. It's like, oh, we'll spend five or ten minutes on introductions. You guys can all introduce yourselves. And I think we literally spent three hours. I can't remember if it was three or four hours um, on the six of us talking about. And to me, what was so amazing about it was it, did kind of, you know, Jeff acknowledged the openness. It took us to this place where we knew each other better and deeper. And so I think it accelerated our um, ability to, be, you know, be more open and, and trusting of each other because we had these connections, you know, like you could understand the person. Um, and I found it amazingly rich. You know, I'd, I'd known um, most of the people previously, and then Jeff met on Monday. Um, but I think it allowed us to be, and I think it allowed us to be um, uh, deeper in the conversation and in the immersion of the experience by 
and everybody was comfortable in the experience. So it was it was unique, and I thought it was very uh, valuable, rich. Those are the kind of words that come to mind for me. Um, let me follow up question. Let me offer a follow up question. What made you all that open? Um, was it merely the first person went and we followed, or um, was it something else? So that's the first question. Second question is, as you think about yourself in the role of facilitator, where's your, your own comfort or discomfort going to be in having that open of an introduction? Mm. I think I'll answer them in the reverse order. Okay. <laughs> um, so first off, like thinking about being a facilitator, I would really be concerned about the level of comfort or discomfort of the people sharing. So in other words, like, you know, you don't really know the trust of the group that, that you're facilitating within themselves, right? And so if you mm-hmm. try to force people to go way deep and they don't feel comfortable, like I, that would be what I would worry about, mm, would fair. be more of that piece of it. Um, honestly, as far as like my, my reasoning for it, um, I, I really don't like having superficial conversations. And uh, I figured that in this kind of group, especially since we were all trying, you know, trying to learn more about the art of facilitation, it seemed like a pretty safe space to try to push for bigger conversations. Yeah. I pointed at the board as we're all sitting here because our, one of our agreements for the week is that we would be okay to go deep. Yeah. And I'm the one who said it. Yeah. And that's because I'm kind of over superficial conversation. I, <laughs> I, I, I just find, I just, yeah. it's more interesting. And, and, and just as, and the simplicity of, of, uh, when you think about mutual benefit and mutual respect and the level of trust uh, that if we do express ourselves and we really do look at our work, and especially as facilitators and in the work of alignment, there's this, this quality of looking for our own alignment to do the work well. So, And what's the safety with which I can explore my own alignment or misalignments and bring that to the conversation and then uh, there, apply directly and make really good use of it and feel safe in doing it. You know, we talk a lot about psychological safety, which at the end of the day uh, and our true well-being is connected to the idea I can really just be myself and show up for who I want to be and have some expectation that you will do the same so that we can trust and have meaningful, so when we say deep, meaningful dialogues that are that really are a manifestation of being truthful with one another to create that shared understanding and then applying it I, and I'd like to, if I may, just add one other piece to this, and that is um, when we think about bringing ourselves to the alignment work, it is a matter of our own personal alignment that's at play at being a facilitator, a practitioner. And as we facilitate, as we coach, as we consult from the lens of alignment, I think there's always that ongoing challenge, at least in my experience and now doing this for decades, is that uh, practitioners of alignment um, are always exploring themselves and their connectivity to the work so that they can bring their best and their full attention to the to the clients to the to the participants to the audience to the to the people that we're um, helping to create alignment and greater levels of success so thanks for that yeah I'll lay out thank you I will say that one of the things that I've discovered about myself, and I don't always feel necessarily really good about it because it feels so selfish, is... Um, movie references? 
I, we can dump movie <laughs> references now. It's a little early, but we can. I don't know. I've seen you jump in pretty early sometimes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, um, this just, it feels because I am constantly rolling myself around in my own brain. It, when we do the work, like there's just these nuggets that quick pay attention to and, and try and apply them to myself. And, and I think that's the most fun. And you all got to experience, I hope, in the workshop, kind of the fluidity in the depth of time you spend in certain places where it allows for when you're facilitating to have that kind of internal conversation with oneself also. So I just, I, I love doing this work. I also, that what you just said about the, um, <laughs> I'm having a flashback to the 1980s with, with uh, Susan Powder, um, right? She was to stop the insanity. I don't even know what talk show she had, frankly. Um, There's a woman named Susan Powder, and all I can remember about her, she would wear like a pink leotard head to toe with stark white short hair. Do you remember who I'm talking about? And her catchphrase was stop the insanity. And as you talk about that, um, you know, I'm just, I'm tired of the superficiality of the conversation. Um, you know, it's funny. We had the we had the New Hampshire primary while we were here this week. None of us talked about it, um, which is not how my, the rest of my professional world would act, um, right? Because it was a deeply personal, a deeply exploratory too. I think that was the part. It was a little bit about an exploration and trying to figure this stuff out. Um, there's a Marvel movie reference in there somewhere, uh, Edgar. I'm sure that there is. <laughs> <laughs> How did you all take to that? Because what, uh, what Ken is referring to is that during the course of the workshop, you can plot out an agenda where you have specific time frames. And our agenda is really structured on the flow of alignment and then leaving plenty of space for going into places where we might not even expect to go based on what's coming up. Uh, what was your sense of that? Um, your comfort with that? I, I, I certainly... I'm in agreement with the idea of let's not be superficial. There's also that the flow and and how things worked for you. What do you what are your thoughts and reflections about that? I'll jump in on this one. Um, yeah, I, it was different than anything I've experienced um, in a workshop, but so appreciated because I think the depth of our learning was so much greater. Um, we went off on certain topics more deeply. And what surprised me is that it wasn't just a business framework, a tool, a um, process that we were learning, but I too found myself taking it out into my personal life, bringing my personal life in, in a way that I haven't, I think, done before in, in something like this. Um, and also just learning on top of that, another layer facilitation which really I'm appreciating the art of facilitation. And um, thank you for all that learning around, you know, just some simple ways that you can get people to open up, talk, feel safe. I don't think we could have had the depth of sharing we did if we didn't, if you hadn't set the stage to, of, you know, feeling safe. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll throw the movie reference in here now. Uh -oh. um, yeah, no. <laughs> This I, is by the, the way, I love the movie reference. Sorry. Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little too personal, I right? Know. The exploration I'm for of the, the breakfast club. He starts going down Batman trails, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
I'm not, I'm not sure I'm versed enough to, <laughs> to do that, those trails. Um, this might be the, the, the highest faluting movie that I have ever faluting. Faluted, falutin, falutin, falutin. Um, <laughs> Definition, please. So What's an Oscar that, nominated movie. What's that? Jeff's got the best vocabulary in the workshop. That's for sure. <laughs> but um, I'll bring up Oppenheimer. Has anybody had the opportunity to see it? Yeah. Um, so um, my wife and I just watched it last last week. Um, we had kind of this a uh, little bit of tension when we turned it on because of its sheer length. Um, How long is it? Is it longer than Babylon? It's it's three full hours. <laughs> uh-huh. But it was between that and Killers of the Flower Moon, which is three and a half full hours. Uh-huh. And so Friday night, we, we both know that the likelihood of us staying awake for the entirety of the movie is smaller. So uh, we, we, we put it on. But I have to say that I was kind of riveted. I mean, I wanted to know about the story. But um, what I'm referring to is Oppenheimer in the beginning of his academic career. Um, and, and, and Lale, maybe you appreciate this, but coming out of the sciences, like as an academic, the idea of two things, jumping labs and then, well, jumping labs. I mean, that is just a, was a no-no in academic circles, right? You got into somebody's lab. The other lab was almost enemy territory. So that just, you know, that part. It still happens with classrooms. It does. And lecture halls. Well, I mean, it happens in academic disciplines. Ac- right. Academia is a very kind of... Um, Oh, that's right. It happens in businesses too. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very protective place, but the the perspective of Oppenheimer as an as an academic student was very different than Oppenheimer as the leader of Los Alamos, and so he had to go through um, quite a transformation. And then at the end, I don't want to give the movie away, but at the end of the movie, as he is trying to make sense of his work. He has just has a set of questions. And, and I think that's been part of the fun in the conversation this week, which was, you know, we moved around a lot. You, you all shared kind of where your careers have been and, and um, you know, moments of that movement. And then also kind of questions, right? I mean, I think uh, the world, it's very easy, Edgar, to, to look at business externally and we can look at quarterly earnings and we can look at these things that are easy to interpret, but our work in alignment is this, it's this internal grinding, you know, uh, Janine, you use the gears, right? And we talked about the culture mm-hmm. keys as the culture gears and business really is right. It's mechanistic in some sense like that and human simultaneously. And I think that's the same tension that was in the Oppenheimer movie. Which also then for me raises a, a curiosity about the four of you sitting here now is um, we started on Monday, today's Thursday. And um, do you have us, you know, Oppenheimer different in, in one place than another in his life and his career. Right. Yeah. And so my question to you all four and responding is by choice, of course, is um, uh, do you have a sense of a change that you see in yourself or that you're undertaking? perhaps beginning or undertaking or thinking about yourself differently than, than you did uh, four days ago? I'll start. So um, the piece that really resonated with me was the, the work that we did this morning with the assessment. 
and uh, you know I've I've always kind of aligned myself into the sort of competency um, mm-hmm. competency uh, row. I guess that's not quite the right word, yeah. but we can we call them buckets. Yeah, the, the competency, competency bucket, bucket. Yeah. and um, and it was really interesting this morning talking through the assessment and kind of realizing that you know even though like that's kind of what got me here you know now that I look at this refresh in my career and where I'm going it was very powerful to kind of understand that the acceptance and openness piece of it is such a big part of my personality Mm. that was really helpful to understand and I think gives me a bit more courage to try to take this leap into this facilitation and teaching realm yeah compared to the sort of you know um expertise cultures that I've left yeah, and so it, that was pretty eye-opening. Yeah, it's, it struck me when you started. I think you said somewhere on the line that you you always saw yourself or thought of yourself as a servant leader mm-hmm. in some shape or form, which aligns to the idea of that authenticity, yeah. that openness, and and that way of being, and um, and attention that that may have very naturally created in your life in your work yeah. to always finding yourself in these high expertise and high technical, you know technically driven environments that you found yourself in and succeeded in yeah exceeded at a high level yeah so that's been really interesting for me and and a lot of the language around like continuous improvement and the things that I'm really passionate about in my career they use words like servant leadership and I never until this course I never really fully understood fully thought through the potential disconnect of that within (laughs) an organization right like it you're coming in with these continuous improvement mindset, wanting to drive, you know, and from that you're supposed to create an empowered culture with servant leadership and how, like, in a way that's a little bit disconnected from uh, an mm-hmm. expertise culture. It was, it was a very eye-opening revelation for me. We've experienced that with the popularity of servant leadership as a, as a, as a preference that a lot of organizations thought was an, an answer to a lot of their problems mm-hmm. around listening, employee engagement, employee wellness, and well-being and all of that those different factors. Um, it's interesting that some high, highly technical engineering driven organizations would advocate and actually train their people in servant leadership. And it was kind of a setup mm-hmm. because not only did the culture not support it, it really wasn't um, ideal for their own performance ends the, yeah. and, and how the culture worked and how performance outcomes were achieved. So that's a really, that's a powerful insight. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, I'm actually not going to answer that question. <laughs> I'm going to go back to your surprise question. It's the power, it's the power of yeah. choice. You're going back to the surprise. Great, because I was working on the me model shows up again. There it is. It's all about you me. You can never escape the me model. Because <laughs> um, I was sitting here thinking about about um, the comments that Lolly just made, and uh, it made me to think, you know, like the surprises. As I mentioned, you know, I've been working with uh, Edgar and Ken uh, for a year, kind of formally, and then I worked with Edgar at Rocor. He came in and did some work for Rocor LLC up in Longmont. And what surprised me as I sit and reflect and look back at this week is um, how much I learned. You know, I've, I get true alignment. I thought I was familiar with the framework. And it was the interplay and the exchange in the room and the depth that we were able to go into um, really gave me kind of a fresh perspective and deeper understanding. So that uh, collective experience and the Mm. experiences of the other people in the room, in addition to my own. Um, So that was my surprise. 
how much right. more mm. I learned this week as well. Yeah, and that reinforce and thank you because that supports. We we often say that the conversation of business is alignment, and that is truly the conversation of life, relationships, and our alignment to ourselves. It's that internal conversation that we have with ourselves. And a quick reminder that um, that conversation is always one uh, that's exploring the tensions that I have in my life when I'm personally in alignment or not in alignment. And, and it requires a conversation, very often a conversation with someone else and with one another. And the, the work of alignment for leaders in organizations is to, to consistently and constantly manifest that, that conversation. Yeah, I think that dialogue is a, it's a really important thing. Uh, Lale and, and Janine, you've mentioned a lot of uh, kind of other trainings that are typical in in some expertise organizations, specifically in, in, in the manufacturing space, um, a lot. Um, one of the things, and I, when we started this business school, it was that founding dean, his, um, his stump speech uh, to get that dean's position uh, when we started was, at that time in the previous 10 years, there had been 245,000 books and articles written on leadership. And if you're doing the math, 10 years, 245,000 pieces of work on leadership, it's like 100 pieces of new literature a day on leadership. And so it's no wonder that there's a consistent conversation about leadership. But Edgar, you and I have talked about this on the podcast. So many of the training, so many of the 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 inventory style things are prescriptive mm. instead of adaptable. Yeah. Prescriptive versus adaptable. And very often it's a, it's a one way communication. It's not a dialogue. Yeah. I, I wanted to requires dialogue. Yeah. I wonder if, as, for, for you all, as you, as you came into the workshop, this constant conversation about the, the difference between facilitator and consultant as um, leading through a conversation as opposed to the expertise consultant that has the answer. Um, did that strike any of you as, a, as an aha moment? There's lots of, of head nods. <laughs> lots of head nodding. Yeah. Nobody's talking. <laughs> um, yeah, I think definitely it's um, helping leaders come to their own understanding of things through facilitation rather than coming in with, um, it's a different type of expertise, I would say, um, is the way I would frame it. So I was, I was appreciating the nuances of those differences between facilitating and consulting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Janine. Jeff's got Everybody a twist. You mean I got nothing right now? He's got a twisted face <laughs> of thought there. <laughs> the pensive nothing. Deep in thought. Oh, to know what's in your mind right now. Me too. Yeah, over and over <laughs> again throughout the week, um, you know, practicing the thought process of facilitation as opposed, you know, how do you get uh, the team... Thinking. And it was really helpful to see Edgar facilitating and Ken facilitating different styles, different approaches in this meta conversation. We're participating in the workshop, and we're also thinking in terms of facilitating the workshop eventually. It was helpful to me to practice 
and mentally rehearse also the language of facilitation. Say more about that instead of <laughs> if, I I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I may. Yeah, yeah. If I may. So uh, yeah, I think that was definitely present for me. I pulled an "if I may" on my wife last night, and I laughed to myself. <laughs> She didn't appreciate okay, it. I got to jump. I was going to say, how did that go? Yeah. <laughs> I'm if not I your may. client. <laughs> you know, I think there was some body language that looked like uh, hands on the hips, like, go ahead. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's a lot to that, too. I'm going to just build on that for a moment because so much of what uh, when there's when we're learning, uh, whether it's consulting, coaching, facilitating, uh, there's a lot of prescriptives around, you know, here's, here's the ways to, the way to do it. And it became part of, part of our conversation. He was exploring, how do you do this? And, um, and, and it works. And, and there's this great reminder in what you just delved into, Heather, is the idea that um, at the end of the day, it has to be me. And so as I, think about it in my own mind and so I'm learning a process I'm, I'm, I'm learning a system a framework um, to apply with clients with groups organizations individuals um, that it really is I, I have to bring myself to it if anything the most important thing to be able to do is align what I ha- what I have to work with and then offer it in a way that's true to me and I and I think that's so so important um, it's not about copying something. It's not, you know, using, using exactly where I've seen it before. And the difference between Ken and I is, is I think is quite significant. Uh, certainly our purpose and mission is the same to help others align and to create greater little success. And, um, and at the same time, we, we come at it, we come at it differently with different approaches at times. And, um, and I think that's really useful to be able to recognize that. Because if it's not authentic, it, it doesn't come across as real. You're not going to invite people to have real conversations. You're not going to find dialogues that are that really explore, and um, and that whole idea of being intentional and working through inquiry instead of advising and telling is, I, I think, so so key to that. I, I do recall, and it, I still step into it <laughs> occasionally. Is is Chad? It feels like you're just asking for my advice. So here you go. Um, and of course you can check in for that. Do you want the advice? The reality is I think most, for the most part, it's about that inquiry. It's about exploration and and unfolding it to find the best answers uh, because it is. Alignment is unique to each of us as an individual as it is to the unique context and makeup of groups and organizations and their cultures. So that's a a good one. I, I know, thank you, Edgar, I, I know in the times that I'm out uh, facilitating conversations around true alignment, uh, um, one of the things that just occurred to me as you were sharing that, Edgar, is, you know, we all shared a bunch of meals this week. And the, and the conversations, they continue. Um, you know, they started at breakfast. They continue right through lunch. Um, it's finding out about each other. It's talking about how this and how this uh, connects to us in, in our lives and, you know, maybe even how we'll use it. The best... Well, I mean, it almost happens in all the places that I have facilitated true alignment, whether it's an invitation for an hour talk mm-hmm. or a, a weekend retreat. Um, those are part of 
our facilitation experience that really helped to make that to make that personal. Um, you know, we just booked flights uh, to go uh, see a company that we've been working with for a while, and um, I don't know if they know the conversation that we have about booking our flights, but it is we don't fly out till later the next day because we almost always have a breakfast. You have to make time. We make time for that for that breakfast before we leave. Yeah, and uh, that that's our opportunity to meet with the client following following the process, following the workshop. It's that uh, it's not just a debrief. It's mm. it's also um, it adds to the to the, to the set of outcomes because we continue to unpack and unfold it in in that dialogue, that conversation. I think that goes back to also the way that. Uh, the experience of the week for for me in that in that open space leave the leave the space open for the dialogue to go where it needs to go, <laughs> not where we want it to go, rather where it really yeah. does need to go. Uh, that's the fun part. Yeah, if if you look at it that way, you have to be in alignment with the idea that to expect the unexpected to to be open to what shows up and and understand. And the quality that I really enjoy about it is that the people here, the four of you and, and part of the workshop here, is that um, at the end it's it's the customer experience and which begins with the listening and paying attention to what, what the, the need is or what the customer is seeking in that moment and not being afraid to go there. Uh, speaking of as a customer <laughs> for uh-huh. this experience, I think about, I call it the fractal nature mm-hmm. of true alignment or the Google Earth model of true alignment, right? So we applied, now that I'm thinking about it, we applied the framework to the week. Yep. As you said, here's where we are, here's where you will be at the end of the week. Um, <laughs> we talked about expectations. We talked about agreements. Um, so there's the experience that we had this week. There's the me model, and there's the zoom in from the group to the individual there's the zoom out to our broader organizations and the organizations we serve. So that fractal, like zooming in and zooming out and how the framework works at all those different levels is really interesting. Yeah, and I think that's an important part of it um, is the, that personal side of it. Who am I and how do I connect to, to what we're doing here? And teams, I think that's, that's vital to their success. And it's not just what's your personality type or your style and who are you and how do you get along with others. It's how do we connect it all the way back through to the to what we're providing to the customer and that customer experience and how do I connect to that and who, who am I in relationship to that and my contribution to the success in doing that. Because when that's happening and everyone's aligned to that, you're going to get performance. And what's the definition of performance always goes back to is the customer experience delivering what the customer expects and what what they what at the end of the day is what they're paying for. The competitive nature of the brand of any business is um, just simply asking the question: Why is the customer spending their money with you and not your competition? And that's the experience. That's the emotional quality of that experience and the meaning of it. So it comes back to that. So I just had a flash, and, and Jeff, I love your feedback on this one, but I just had a flash in my mind. Oh, I thought you were talking about another movie now. Uh, yeah. No, I'm always thinking of movies. You know I am, but, um, you know, one of the things that that ran through my mind is, you know, you talked about that performance is always delivering to the customer mm-hmm. experience that, you know, imagine if quarterly earnings reports were like that, right, as opposed to here's our revenue, here's how we deliver to the... Yeah, and I think, and I think there's some attempts to do that. <laughs> 
through net promoter scores and different ways to do it. I'm, <coughs> yeah, they're kind of incomplete, though. Yeah, they are. They don't tell us enough, and it's it's kind of a there's a certain vagueness to it, and we really don't really understand when we talk net promoter the connectivity of that uh, and um, the uh, perspective that a customer has in terms of what need or what the experience is actually delivering to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A question for the four of you. What are the most burning questions you have still? We have another half day. Ah. <laughs> so what, what are the burning questions you all have today? I'm looking over at the expectations and I, um, uh, to the audience that's listening to us in the air, you know, we're in the Gronowski Innovation Incubator, our all glass kind of design studio. And um, I, I'd be afraid to try and count the sticky notes and the writing on the wall that we have going on here. But it, it looks like a design studio here this week with, with the wallpapered sticky notes. Uh, our list of expectations, we talked about being able to build bridges and overcome obstacles. Uh, in silos, we talked about um, being able to better understand cultures and um, use our past experiences to do yeah. such things. Yeah, and I really like the one that the personal goal orientation and our own legacy as as individuals and leadership behavior. That's a really good list. And I really like the question because it's really always great to not always wait till the end uh, to check in with the customer mm-hmm. and check in along the way. So what what is missing for you? What is it that you still want to take away uh, in the in the last day of the workshop alignment with the customer experience is critical and it's interesting to see how that can become divorced from corporate culture unintentionally focusing the showing the need for focus on the intentional realignment continuously of the employee and leadership experience. Customers are hyper important and customer needs and and wants shift over time. Mm-hmm. And when you have a brand that is focused on a certain expectation of the customer, seeing how that can change over time or even understanding when it is beginning to shift and whether that's a, a real shift or a false flag mm. and how a, cult, how, how a company culture might react or overreact to that is something that interests me. Yeah. Is yeah. it a lagging indicator, Jeff? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Okay. Yeah. And I think that part of it, do we, do we overreact? Do we, do we underreact? And what does that look like? And how do we also then stay true to our mission and our purpose, knowing that customers can create shifts? I think there is a, an element of this that we can begin with to answer that question. We'll, we'll, we'll take a deeper look at it tomorrow. And that is um, what's, at the, what's at the core. So the mission purpose and what's at the core of that in terms of the customer desire and need being met? You know, what is that? Is it is it um, a success? Is it caring? What is it that they're looking for from um, from a business, from an organization? And I think it's important to to begin to look at it through that lens, because as customers' expectations shift and change, are they still? 
uh, looking for the same core fulfillment? And if they are, how are we seeing those shifts and changes in customer expectation? How do we innovate to those? Uh, very often businesses will say, well, we will build it and they will come and we'll lead the customer. Let's do that one, right? Um, in some instances, that works. I do believe that that's not actually leading the customer as much as we like to claim. It's actually, for me, it's a verification of what the customer is seeking at a, at a deep emotional level and how it is that we're responding to that. So I think that to put that out there, uh, the, the we will build it, you will come is a uh, proactive is a, is a, in the market, I think, is one of those fallacies because we're reactive to data and what we see taking place and what our experience of the market is, and we innovate towards that. So I think that's a really good place to start from because it allows the culture to maintain an alignment and continue to grow in its alignment to what it delivers best, whether that in the customer experience is attention, competency, or caring you know, in, the, in, the, in the system itself. I think that's a really, really good place to to play from and i also do believe that if there's too much of a shift if there's too much of a shift in that if a company tries too hard that's your reaction and that's the loss that typically occurs it's when and that's much like i as an individual realizing and knowing who i really am and going down the path that's misaligned with who i truly am Edgar, if and I everybody's going to know it everybody's going to see it when it happens yeah, Jeff, I think it's a fantastic question. If I can add to that a little bit, Edgar, um, I think this the power of the uh, the true alignment framework is is how we talk about the brand intention. Because you said this, Edgar, but I just want to I want to highlight, underscore, do something to put a big shiny light around it. Um, that thing you're trying to fulfill, to feel important or significant, to feel uh, competent and capable, or to feel accepted, um, that is likely not going to change on how a customer intersects with your business. I think we use product often in place of that to chase customers, but the brand intention likely doesn't change. And, yeah. and we've talked about that too, because then you wind up with that, because sooner or later customers are gonna recognize it too, that um, you're tracing revenue and not all revenue is good revenue and not all product or ways of chasing revenue in alignment with what the customer expectation at a deep level is. And we can't always inform the customer of that. That's that natural human quality of the art of business because we are, at the end of the day, humans serving humans, humans creating products and services for one another. We just do it in this somewhat at times overly complex business society that we've created. And to simplify that, just simply says we are all emotional beings. We all have needs and desires. And in business, our work is to uh, make one another's lives better through the products and services that we deliver. That's the societal good. That's, that's a human goodness that we're, that we're all looking to fulfill. Yeah. I, I think the challenge too, Jeff, related to that question is also... I think it's easy for an organization to believe that its relationship with its customer is singular, right? So um, we, I think it's easy to believe the customer is in a marriage with us. And the reality is, is they're in a marriage with a lot of things. Now <laughs> and, you're remounting me with my mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Sorry. Right. I mean, that relationship they have with our organization is influenced by relationships they have with other things out of our control. 
And, and I think that we often fail to think about our customer in terms of them as, as whole beings, right? We just know the part of them that's with us. Um, and that is, uh, you know, anytime we talk with, uh, to any marketing professional, the ability to continuously understand your customer. Um, you know, we see this in organizations all the time, the way that they influence their customer, customer satisfaction surveys. Like, right? I mean, it just, you know, they serve a purpose, but they don't serve the whole purpose that we tend to use them for. They're not enough. It's necessary. Not a, again, it's not a dialogue. It's not a dialogue. Yeah. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. snapshot. So anyone else? Any, anything else for tomorrow? Well, where my brain went, I don't think we can get to tomorrow, but, but I think you, you said it really well earlier, Ken, about how the framework is, is simple but yet really complex at the same time. And so I'm really, I'm just really curious about all the corner cases, right? Like all of the different ways this stuff intersects and like how does it manifest itself in a company? And like if you are an expertise company with, you know, um, supporting um, authenticity being in support of that, like what does that actually look like? What, what do all these different combinations look like? And like, how can you tell when things go off, are going off the rails? And I'm sure with more familiarity and more opportunity to study this, mm -hmm. I'll get more understanding of it. But that's what I'm curious about well, now is yeah, the next level yeah. of this. Tomorrow when we look at that process piece and we look at the assessment piece, then we begin to formulate and understand what that looks like. And there is one piece of this that I think is so helpful and that the true alignment system is, is helpful with is to discover what those elements of uniqueness are, just like uh, in all of us and our personalities and our makeup as human beings. Yeah, exactly. You know, here we are in this human organism called, yeah. right? <laughs> it's an organization and uh, there's a reason for it. And to know what those and understand what those nuances and how to use them is, is part of our work. It is. And very often, I think one of the great assets of true alignment is we don't have to have the answers. We just need to know how to inquire because the answer is much like in, if you're in therapy, the thera a good therapist is going to help you to, is going to inquire so that you learn who you are and what your choices are. And the same thing happens for organizations and leaders. And I think that's, that's a piece of it. That's really powerful. Yeah. And we'll come back to that competitive advantage Nautilus again and again and again, because I think that's the, mm -hmm. that's the part. Yeah. That's how the pieces all go together. Yeah. Hey, uh, just a thank you to the four of you. Um, Joining us today. It's lovely. Yeah. All week. It's just been, I mean, so fun to just know new people um, so quickly and so deeply. It's, it's just a uh, just special opportunity. So thank you for, for that. Thank you for that. <laughs> It's been energizing and exhausting all at once. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Makes for a good day. Yeah, I've slept, I've slept well this week. Uh, so with that, uh, just as a quick reminder, questions, thoughts, comments, anything at all, uh, visit the website www.truealignment.com and your, uh, the email address is info at truealignment.com. Um, we thank you very much for joining us and for listening, and we'll look forward to seeing you uh, or hearing and well, yeah, interacting with you again in the future. In the meantime, uh, I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Have a good week, everybody. Yep. Have a good week and live aligned. <laughs>